Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. After surviving a cupcake coma this weekend... I kind of wonder if that's what was going on with some of the teams in the NFL. On Sunday, it seemed like a bunch of teams were either in a cupcake coma or just never woke up on Sunday. By week number six, I'm expecting to see more and more consistency. And yet, this may have been the wackiest week of them all to this point in the NFL season. There are... No undefeateds remaining in the NFL. And it feels like if we keep going at this pace, there may be no more starting quarterbacks remaining in the NFL. Wow. Every week, there's another one that goes down with an injury. Now, some of them have not been long-term injuries. Guys have been able to return. But it certainly seems like every week that is a major theme of the NFL. More drastic than normal, although we are creatures of the moment, or victims of the moment, I should say. We have a captive audience always. Started with the New York Jets four plays into their season, and it seems as though it's been steady. So at some point this week, we'll have to look. As the dust settles, we'll find out about Jimmy Garoppolo and a back injury, Justin Fields and a hand injury, though Matt Eberflus did say that the... The x-rays were negative, but he is scheduled for more tests on Monday, as is Garoppolo, who actually went to the hospital. Daniel Jones did not start on Sunday night. We know Anthony Richardson of the Colts, one of the rookies, he could be out the rest of the way. He's had five to six opinions from various doctors and is actually considering a season-ending shoulder surgery that would take him out the rest of the way. In that same division, AFC South, Did you see that Trevor Lawrence left the game in the fourth quarter of their victory over the Colts? And and Gardner Minshew was the one starting in place of Richardson, who was on the sidelines with his arm in a sling. So Lawrence also left late in this game when the Jaguars had the W all but secured. It's a lot. It's a lot of activity around quarterbacks all the time. And as much as, and I will be I will be with you raising my hand, as much as we complain about how quarterbacks are treated like dolls, pieces of China, we wrap them up in, in bubbles. We're not allowed to breathe on them too hard because it's a penalty if we do. Poor things. But honestly, that is part of the issue. Is that they keep getting hurt. They're dropping like flies a lot of times. And this season seems more drastic than others. 
And so because of that, the NFL continues to try to put in rules or emphasize different rules that can protect them. Not to mention it's a massive investment for most teams. Whether it's a young QB in his rookie contract and it required picks or draft capital or it's the other. Paying your starting quarterback upwards of 40 to $45 million per year to have him stand on the sidelines. Not a great return on your investment. What I do know is that Tua barely gets hit or barely got hit today. Do you know this is, I'm not kidding about this either. I'm not making this up just for hyperbole. He was hit one time on Sunday. No sacks, one hit. No wonder he's able to chuck and duck. No wonder the Miami offense is a monster. Speaking of that, we knew Raheem Mostert would be with the absence of Devon Achan. So we have a lot to get to. As I say, no more undefeateds in the NFL. And then there were none. Both the Niners and the Eagles losing on Sunday in unconventional ways. Now, we will break down those games. But in terms of injuries, also Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, waiting to hear about them. Sucks for Christian because it could be an oblique, though Kyle Shanahan added rib injury to the end. That could keep him out for a few weeks if it's something serious, a broken rib or a cracked rib, something along those lines. But, man, what a moment for the Cleveland Browns. Without their starting uh, starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who is potentially going to return in week number seven in what is a wide-open AFC North, the Browns get a signature win, and the defense was delectable. Oh, those were the cupcakes. Sorry. The defense was dynamic. I know I still have cupcake coma and cupcakes in my brain. We'll get to that at some point. Probably not on this edition of the show. (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter, Radio. I'd love to hang out with you. Uh, You can also find us on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Now, coming up in just a few minutes after our first break, Sal Capaccio, Bill's sideline reporter and host on WGR, which is our affiliate in Western New York, AM 550. He will join us to talk about the Bills' victory over the Giants and their former offensive coordinator and quarterback. (laughs) But the Bills go scoreless for three quarters in this game. Three quarters. Josh Allen actually briefly had to leave, and we got the other Allen. I wonder if he feels like the other Allen sometimes. The forgotten Allen But Kyle Allen had to come in for, I think it was all of two snaps before Josh came running back out of the blue tent where he was getting checked, I think, for concussion protocol. Thankfully, he's just fine. Decided to go back in the game and run like a bat out of hell. And so the Bills do not score for the first three quarters, though they had a very Long drive. They had a stranglehold on the third quarter with a 10-minute drive that ended early in the fourth. So we're going to get to all the dirty deets about the Giants nearly upsetting the Bills, but then 
losing to Buffalo with a late drive and and some questionable decision-making at the end of each half, but also some really strong defense by the Bills when they had to have it. So Sunday Night Football is where we'll start. Of course, the American League Championship Series began as well on Sunday evening, so you had to do double duty with your clicker. See, this is what we're talking about with the games on Amazon Prime, why it's so frustrating on Thursday nights, in October specifically, when there are other events going on, So, and, and maybe you want to watch other TV besides just football. Why? But... During October, baseball and football games a lot of times are taking place Thursday evenings. And so it's hard to get in and out of your streaming to go then to another game that's on basic cable. So I was actually kind of grateful that we had <laughs> that we had the two games, one on Fox and one on NBC, and they're right next to each other. Not that it makes any difference when I hit the back button on my clicker, but I don't know if it makes you feel better that they're right next to each other. Because I'm weird. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, the Giants defense picking up big blue, though they were big white, in western New York. And this was just strange. I think there are a lot of Bills fans who are nervous. Allen over center. Play fake. Back to pass. Has time. Checks it in the right flat. Completes it. Missed tackle at midfield. Another missed tackle. And then then the ball came loose. Giants say they have it along the sideline, waiting for a signal on the Giants football. Third and 14 from the Buffalo 27. Allen calls out signals, takes the snap, back to throw. Diggs does run that middle route. Allen's flushed out to his right. He's going to heave it downfield for Diggs, who can't make the catch as he got tangled with Banks. Giants showing blitz. They do not come. Allen back, fastball over the middle, deflected and intercepted by Michael McFadden. And the Giants have it at the 42. A giant deflected it in the middle of the field. And then Micah McFadden with the interception. I think Okereke is the one that tipped it. The first career interception from Micah McFadden. All of those plays courtesy of Bob Papa on Giants Radio. And yeah, Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs. I can't tell you for certain, but it's it seemed as though Allen was attempting to force a bunch of footballs to Diggs. Diggs had this false start penalty where he charges across the line because he gets the count wrong. And then on the very next snap, Allen tries to go back to him with what appeared to be a similar route, if not the same one. It just was a mess for the Bills offense. But I suppose if you're the Bills and Misery Loves Company, well, at the end of the first half, the Giants were in that same boat. Down to eight seconds to go. Seven seconds to go. Six seconds to go. Down to four. Taylor trying to get his team lined up. And they don't get the playoff. A terrible mistake by the Giants as they don't get the playoff and get no points out of it with a first and goal at the one. Oh, gosh. You can say that again. If you miss the very end of the first half. Now, remember, it's Tyrod Taylor, not Daniel Jones. And they've got a limited number of seconds left on the clock. They're inside the red zone, and give them credit. They moved the ball inside the red zone, wanted to come away with at least three points, if not more than that. So they're second and goal at the 10-yard line, and there's a penalty, 
that moves them up, right? So they end up getting just outside the goal line. And the play is called with 14 seconds left on the clock. They start the play. It's a handoff to Saquon Barkley. Welcome back, Saquon. (laughs) And he gets, I don't want to say he gets stuffed. He picks up a few yards. But maybe we'll uh, try to think. Actually, I guess he was running from behind the line of scrimmage, too. So really didn't pick up any yards. That was dumb. I don't know why I said that. They were on the one. But he's starting from the backfield. And so he tries to get across the goal line. They wrap him up. He can't then kind of get out of there. And if I'm the Bills, I'm holding on to him as long as possible. He's trying to get out of the mix there, get back across the line of scrimmage to the Giants' side. But before he can do that, before they can line up, you hear Bob Papa counting it down. Five, four, three, and then time runs out, and Brian Dayball's face is as red as the Bills' uniforms. And Tyrod Taylor got an earful as he was walking off into the locker room. So they get no points and end up leading 6 nothing at the break, which in and of itself is odd. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. As I say, the, the Giants defense, I think, got worn down on what was a, a drive that the Bills settled into. Again, not always pretty, but a 10-minute drive that consume most of the third quarter, if nothing else, keeping the Giants' offense on the sidelines, and it allows the Bills to find some type of a rhythm, although still relatively disjointed. Under center, orbit motion there by Hardy, back to pass, throws it to Hardy in the left flat, and he's going to find his way into the end zone. The diminutive Deontay Hardy with his first touchdown as a Buffalo Bill. Three yards, and the Bills are finally on the board. The call there on Bills Radio, and again, we'll have sideline reporter Sal Capaccio with us following the break. Now, the Giants get the lead back. So in the fourth quarter, actually, there were multiple lead changes. The Giants get the lead back on another field goal. Still can't quite punch it in. Once they're in the red zone, they were 0 for 5 in the red zone in this game. The Bills essentially have two drives that amount to anything at all. In the final four minutes, we get to see what Josh Allen can do when he's at his best. Here's Allen in the shotgun, Cook to his left, back to pass, looked for the swing pass, pocket collapsing, rolls out to his right to buy time, into traffic, but touchdown pass is good to Quentin Morris, a 15-yard dart. Wow, he threaded the needle there. Josh Allen off his back foot gets it in a tight spot anyway. Unbelievable. Once again on Bill's radio. So just inside of four minutes to go, Buffalo takes the lead again. But it's still up to the defense to keep the Giants from scoring. We're not talking about a large lead. Uh, Neither team was able to create a whole lot of separation. So a touchdown still can win it for the New York Giants. They get inside the red zone. Once again, this is their nemesis on Sunday night. And it's a pass interference call on Buffalo as time expires. So there's an untimed down, essentially. It it will be the last play of the game, barring another penalty. And we're, once again, talking about the Giants staring at the goal line. 
Barkley, the lone setback. Taylor under center. One receiver to the left, two to the right. There's the snap. Fakes the handoff, throws it into the end zone. It's incomplete. Intended for Darren Waller. Taron Johnson in coverage. Caused enough disruption to force the incompletion. The game is over, and the Bills escape with a 14-9 victory. It wasn't pretty, but the Bills will take it. Wow. Good to get a win. Anytime you can win in the NFL, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, it was not easy. I'll give credit to the Giants. And uh, then there's a lot of things we can do better as well. So um, I'm proud of, uh, proud of the way the guys found a way. Uh, I thought our offense um, came up with two uh, critical scores there in the second half, which we needed, and then uh, defensively to come back and um, basically on two, got to have a drive for them back-to-back, shut them down um, on fourth downs. Competitive game against, a, again, a really tough opponent. Good on third down. You know, they were good on third down. That was pretty even, but uh, they were 2-2, two two, I think, 2-2 two two in the red zone, and we, were, we got it down there four times, and we didn't, we didn't put it in. So that's really the difference in the game was the ability to punch it in in the red zone. The head coach is Sean McDermott and his former offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, who's now the head coach of the Giants and actually reigning coach of the year in the NFL. But it is tough sledding right now for the Giants. Not that easy for the Bills, though, either. Remember, last weekend they were in London where they looked like they were sleepwalking through the first half. Then they go scoreless through three quarters tonight on their own field in primetime. So coming up next, Sal Capaccio. What is going on with these bills, though? As we say, a win is a win is a win is a win. You can find me on Twitter, ALaw Radio. Always good to reconvene on Sunday nights during football season as well uh, on our Facebook page and our phone number 855-212-4227. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Here's the snap. Fakes the handoff, throws it into the end zone. Complete intended for Darren Waller. Taron Johnson in coverage caused enough disruption to force the incompletion. The game is over and the Bills escape. Just really wasn't getting into a rhythm. Um, you know, that's pass and run game included. We got to find ways to, to get our get off to a fast start, and I don't think we've done that the last few days or that last few games. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a win. It's an ugly one. We'll take it. Uh, but there's a lot of things that we got to learn from and, and get better at. Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence. No points until the fourth quarter for the Buffalo Bills. But no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Isn't that the saying? It's after hours with Amy Lawrence. We will get an update from Sean McDermott on Damien Harris at some point because it's a scary moment, mindful, of course, of what happened with Damar Hamlin last year. Uh, but he was taken to the hospital after being carted off on a stretcher. And so uh, what we heard is that he's got movement in extremities. And we'll see what McDermott has to say. But the close victory puts the Bills at 4-2. and two. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. And we're pleased to welcome from the same Bills radio network, the sideline reporter, Sal Capaccio, one of our favorites, joining us from Western New York. So it was touch and go for a while there, Sal. What ultimately made the difference for the Bills? I think Josh Allen making a couple of plays down the stretch and the defense really buckling down when they needed to. Plus, obviously, the Giants, a few mistakes of their own, uh, including at the end of the first half, the you know not getting any points out of that situation. But I think ultimately, you know, the Bills came out in the second half and started to, you know, do the things that they're used to doing in offense, running the ball a little bit better. And, you know, the defense was pretty consistent most of the game. But, you know, a couple plays here or there, just the Bills had to make and they made them. It seems, though, like there was a bit of consternation with the offense. Uh, Josh Allen kind of muttering to himself. Obviously, a couple of attempts to connect with Diggs that didn't really go as planned. Diggs with a crazy false start penalty when he just goes running through the line of scrimmage. Uh, what stands out about what you saw from them early offensively? Yeah, they seemed disjointed. I think it was just carryover, a lot of carryover from last week in London. Um, you know, this is the first time in a long time that those were shut out in the first half, I believe. I don't know exact date, but I know we were talking about it on the broadcast. And, you know, they just, um, that's very uncharacteristic with this Buffalo Bills team, a team that is third in the league in the NFL uh, in scoring points per game and uh, get shut out in the first half. Things were disjoint. And look, I, I think part of it is, you know, Brian Dable knows their system well, you know, and, you know, he's, he knows what the Bills want to do. He knows Josh Allen well. It's not an excuse, but I do think it makes it a little tougher. It's a high pressure environment, you know, the, Giants are coming in here with their backs against the wall. Their season isn't going very well. Um, they're they're going to do whatever they can to try and you know win this football game. And 
you know, Wink Martindale did a nice job dialing up some blitzes. So, you know, I think that a few times the Bills, um, you know, hurt themselves though. First drive of the game, you know, Gabe Davis, or maybe the second drive, Gabe Davis, you know, fumbles the ball. That was a big point of the game. And then Josh, you know, if it goes to Dawson Knox, he's probably still running. He might have scored a touchdown, but a great play by the linebacker to tip the ball. And, you know, a couple of turnovers really hurt the Bills in the first half, but give the Giants credit because, you know, they're the ones that made those plays. And then early in the second half, a 17-play, 10-minute drive, Sal. Those still blow me away. You can imagine yeah. how exhausted the opposing defenses are when a team is holding the ball for that long. What changed on that drive? You know, it's funny. The Bills have actually had quite a few of those longer drives this year. If you look back at their drive charts, they have a lot of 10, 12 plays, 9 minutes, 10 minutes. Um, and I think when they're doing that, it's just that they're running the ball consistently and they're running it through the middle, around the edges, a lot of different ways. And, you know, when you have Josh Allen back there, teams have to obviously watch for the pass. But I think that was the big difference. And that particular drive especially, uh, the Bills really started to kind of assert their will to run the ball. Uh, they didn't run the ball very well last week against the Jaguars, but, you know, this year they had run the ball really well. I think they got back to that a little bit, Amy. I think they got back to, you know, knowing that they could run the ball and, you know, they were using Latavius Murray, they were using James Cook, and then second half James Cook was very good, wound up the game with over five yards of carry, 71 yards, um, but a nice balance there. But I think that was the biggest difference, especially on that drive when they really needed to. It was a good run-pass balance, and the fact that they were able to run the ball get good yards on first down and keep themselves in manageable distances on second and third down. We're spending a couple minutes with Sal Capaccio, fresh off the Bills' sideline for Sunday Night Football, a victory over the Giants that was anything but aesthetically pleasing, though a win is a win is a win is a win. And he's with us here after our CBS Sports Radio. I was listening to the postgame show, and you had a chance to talk to Quentin Morris for a minute. That really was the play that not only gave the Bills the lead, but kind yeah. of showed off what the offense is capable of, where Josh is extending a play, and he fires into a tight window. How excited was he about his touchdown? I think he scored one last year in the primetime game against Tennessee in a very similar play, actually. But you're right. I think if I go back, and that's a correction, but I think because it stands out to me because it was both on primetime, <laughs> and it was the same kind of play, and it was the same end zone, and I think it happened last year against Tennessee in week two. And look, Quentin Morris was pressed more into duty today because Dalton Kincaid was out with a concussion still. He never cleared concussion protocol in time. They held him out. So because of that, Quentin Morris got more playing time. I like Quentin Morris as a player all year. But the Bills, you know, have – and the Bills like to have this, you know, two tight end set. They run a lot of 12 personnel. So Quentin Morris was a big part of the game plan to be able to do that. But, yeah, for Quentin Morris to – come up with that kind of play and for him to kind of be the spark to, you know, get the game going and get the team, you know, where they needed to be in that particular situation is big for him and, uh, and good for him. And that, that is classic Josh Allen, right? That's the Josh Allen play right there. Muddy pocket, dancing around, you know, you don't know what he's going to do. And then he just flings the ball to a guy that's not even open when he throws it, (laughs) trusting he's going to get it there because he can fit it in with his arm. He throws a hose and obviously Quentin Morris held onto it. Well, and Morris told you that was not the play. There was a different play called. It broke down. And he said something along the lines of, with Josh, you just have to be ready for a moment like that. No doubt. And that's the thing about with Josh playing. Receivers will always tell you that in tight ends and pass catchers that you just always have to keep yourself alive and make yourself available, right? And and that's what he did on that play. And um, we see that so often from Josh. So, you know, a little Josh Allen magic never hurts once in a while if you need it, if you need it. 
uh, to stay in a game or get back into a game, and they certainly needed on that play, and they did. And you know, give the Giants credit. Like I said, they they fought hard here tonight, and uh, a win's a win, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's the that's the mantra coming out of Buffalo tonight. And yes, tomorrow people are going to be talking about the Bills and you know not playing that well, and that's fine. And and but this is a it's a tough league. The Jets beat the Eagles today, right? The Browns beat the Forty ers today. So you know, to get a win against any team in this league, especially. <laughs> That last sequence and how intense it was and what it came down to was pretty amazing. And, of course, the game that you referenced was the Jaguars game in London, sandwiched in between these two wins, the the gaudy victory over the Dolphins, and now this more gritty win against the Giants. But, Sal, you were on that trip. You were part of that. I don't know if there are any answers. Did it seem as though the later arrival in London caused some fatigue, or did the team seem tired to you when the game started against Jacksonville? They certainly didn't have as much energy as Jacksonville, but I don't know if I can tie that directly to that. I've seen that happen before in games where you might play in Buffalo and that could happen. I remember specifically being in Jacksonville a few years ago when the Bills lost a game against Urban Myers, Jacksonville Jaguars. They got upset, and the Bills, same thing, where they kind of flat and didn't have that much energy. That can happen, right? I don't know. It's a tough call, me because I don't think there's enough data to really kind of correlate. You know, if you go back to last year, someone told me four teams last year who played internationally left like the Bills did, and they went 2-2. Two and two. The Jags did exactly what the Bills did a week before that, and they beat the Atlanta Falcons. So maybe, I think it comes down to each individual player, right? How you handle it, how your body handles it. So it's, it's, a, it's a good debate. It's a good discussion. What's interesting to me, like I was on that trip. I felt okay. I was able to sleep a little bit on the plane, and then you, know, you hit the ground running on Friday, then you get to sleep on Saturday. Mm-hmm. What hit me was coming back here to Buffalo. And a lot uh-huh. of people always say that when you, when you come back here. And I talked to a lot of my colleagues in the media who said the same thing. They didn't feel right by like Wednesday or Thursday this past week after coming back from London. And I'm not saying this is why the Bills came out the way they did tonight. But I also would maybe talk about that and think that that could be the case because they came back. And and I know how I was feeling. I know Sean McDermott only had a walkthrough on Wednesday just to help the guys get their legs back together and, you know, um, and, and get that time. So I do think it, it's interesting, you know, science to, to talk about. Sal Capaccio is with us from Western New York, where the Bills eke out a win over the Giants. He's the sideline reporter and also hosts the Extra Point Show on our Buffalo affiliate, WGR 550. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Well, so the rumblings are, and this is not a big surprise, that the NFL is considering, at least, putting a Super Bowl in London. You've been there a couple of times. You've experienced that atmosphere. How do you think that would play? Yeah, I don't know how you're going to do it logistically. I mean, they would make it work because the Anvil's going to do that because it's, you know, the money for them. Mm -hmm. But after seeing this and thinking about it, I think you'd have to have a team go over there and play two, three weeks in a row. You know, if you had a team there, you'd have these games there, and then they come over here and they'd have to play two, three weeks in a row. And I do, I do wonder, like, how players would want to do that. Like, who's going to sign for free agency? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend half my season in London and then fly over here. Like, I think all those things have to be considered because it's going to happen someday, right? We all know this. It's going to happen in some way, shape, or form. It's coming down the road. And I just think that all those other things that go into it and how you're going to operate and deal with the travel, deal with the players and going over there and wanting to play there and being a part of it, I think those are things the NFL is going to have to consider. 
The Bills played an incredible game against Miami, scoring nearly 50 points, but really the defense was was awesome. When you think about that game, would you say that's as close to their potential or as close to the type of football they want to play in these first six weeks? Yeah, of course. I think that, you know, even defensively, they, you know, they gave up some drives, but you know, shut down the Dolphins only 20 points in that high-powered offense. Not the perfect game, right? But I think that's as close to as high of a level as the Bills, you know, think they can play on every single week. Offensively, defensively, special teams, everything. Tonight against the New York Giants was not that night, but the Bills were still good enough to win. Granted, came down to the last play, and, you know, maybe it goes the other way. We, we say it otherwise, but the Bills were still good enough to win. You know, they're still a really good football team. They're still one of the top teams as far as odds in Vegas to win the Super Bowl for a reason, and they still have Josh Allen. Uh, but, yeah, that game a few weeks ago against Miami is probably the – the standard of how this team would like to play every single week. And it's just not going to go like that. But look, they have some more winnable games coming up. They go to Foxborough next Sunday to play the Patriots. And that team is not playing well right now. And this Buffalo Bills team should beat them pretty handily, actually. Just like they should have tonight, though, but that didn't happen. This is a week-to-week league, as we know. (laughs) After that game against the Patriots, it's a quick turnaround Thursday night. They get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here in Buffalo on them having to come up here for a Thursday night game. I mean, this team should be 6-2 and two going into Cincinnati for a really big Sunday night game uh, on November 5th. Before I let you go, Sal, Brian Dayball was a big part of Josh Allen's development, certainly a big part of the Bills becoming one of the best teams in the NFL. Classic Dayball moment at the end of the first half. I thought he was going to spontaneously combust when the clock runs out after they hand the ball to Saquon Barkley instead of throwing it right. He just, he's beat red. What did he mean to the Giants, specifically Josh Allen, as he was turning into an elite quarterback? Well, he, he meant so much to this organization and to Josh Allen, his development. He was the only coordinator Josh ever had until Brian Dable left for several years. Helped groom him, and that was organizationally. They all did. But and the Bills have, I thought, did a, think did a great job with Josh Allen since drafting him. But Brian Dable was very instrumental in that and the entire offense and getting the Bills in large part to where they are at the level they are offensively. And now it's Ken Dorsey trying to do the same thing, and they're still scoring a lot of points. Um, they, I, I would say, though, it's not just on the field, though. Off the field, so many people have so much respect for him. I saw Brian in the tunnel, and he was talking with Josh, you know, off to the side, a little private moment for them. But I waited a little bit just to say hi to Brian myself because I miss him here in Buffalo. Mm. And Brian Abel's from Buffalo, by the way. I don't know if people know that. Mm. He's not just the Buffalo Bills former offensive coordinator who did what he did. He grew up here. He was raised by his grandparents, and both of them passed away within the past year and a half. He still comes back to Buffalo a lot. He loves this place. He loves this city. He's one of our native sons. He went to St. Francis High School, which is literally like five, six miles from this stadium where I'm sitting talking to you right now. And you can hear the the passion that we speak about with Brian Dable when it comes to football here in western New York, not just the Buffalo Bills, when it comes to what he did for Josh Allen, what he did for the Buffalo Bills, their offense to put them where they are. Yeah, he's very, very, very highly respected, and everybody in that locker room also says the same thing. And Dawson Knox talking about how much he respects him. And Stephon Diggs talking about how much he respects him and all these guys. And specifically Josh Allen, what he was able to do for him and his career is pretty amazing. Thank you for that perspective. I actually didn't know he was a local guy. So that's yeah. an even cooler tie. All right. You can find Sal on Twitter at Sal Sports. The Bills beat and sideline reporter. He's got to work from 10 o'clock Eastern to noon. My show is 10 to noon, yes. Gotcha. But I'm on, I think, at 8 o'clock tomorrow to get do, a, do a morning show hit with the guys. Go, 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 Sal. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. All right, you got it. Thank you. <laughs>
Sal is always a trooper, (laughs) even though he does have to wake up, especially on a Bills Monday. And trust me, having worked in Western New York in Rochester, that was my first local job, my first commercial job. I understand that Bills Mafia needs its Monday morning quarterback and its Monday analysis. Okay, find us on Twitter after our CBS. We'll be putting up the Monday MVP poll before long. You can also find me on Twitter or our Facebook page. We've got our YouTube channel. I hope you're ready for the new work week to start. I'm not sure if I am, but ready or not, here it comes. And week six in the NFL was wacky. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. to keep us busy for the next couple hours. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Forty-niners have run the ball every play to open the game. Purdy now under center on second and ten. First pass, play action, shovel forward to McCaffrey. Good block by Brendo. McCaffrey five. Touchdown! C. C. 15 consecutive games with a touchdown for McCaffrey. What an absolute beast with his vision and burst. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Oh, yes, all of that on the Niners radio network. That's Greg Papa. And the Niners were in Cleveland for week six and a hot start for San Francisco, up 10-0. Admit it, maybe at that point, after you saw Christian McCaffrey run through, have some great success on the opening drive, um, he actually catches the TD from Brock Purdy, but having the field goal as well, and then the 10 nothing start, and it's raining, and it's gross, and it just felt like points were going to be hard to come by. Except there are at least signs that it might not be as smooth as what San Francisco would have wanted. And this was the type of game that Cleveland wanted, to be fair. Without Deshaun Watson out there, of course, we know Nick Chubb is gone too. With the conditions, 
really the Browns wanted the defense to muck it up as much as possible, and it was a success. The Browns are stingy when it comes to yards and certainly can go toe-to-toe and be tough as the 49ers can be. So there's a Fred Warner interception early on uh, off of P.J. Walker, who was actually starting in place of Deshaun, but then a missed field goal. So there's one little crack in the dam. And the defense, spearheaded by Miles Garrett, uh, kind of cracks down. And I don't know if you could say this was a bad game by Brock Purdy, but for all of the consistency and the accuracy and the smooth transition to being QB1 with San Francisco, this to me felt like... Maybe one of the first games in which he's really struggled. Of course, there was the NFC Championship, but he got hurt in that one, so it was a completely different story. But yeah, felt like he was having trouble dealing with the rain. And then there's that moment where he goes back to pass, and the ball just kind of slips right out of his hand, off of his fingers. And so it was causing trouble for him, but obviously the Browns quarterback and the offense also dealing with the same conditions, but he was inaccurate and he was sloppy. And then the loss of Debo Samuel, which really hurt. So he leaves early with a shoulder injury and Cleveland's using the run game and Kareem hunt gets into the end zone, uh, middle of the second quarter. And then you can see, okay, this is going to be a dog fight all the way through. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS sports radio. The Niners actually have four empty possessions to start the second half, as in nothing. And that includes a Brock Purdy interception. However, the Niners defense is still damn good as well. And so it's really the two defenses who are setting the tone. And after Walker throws his second pick, the Niners are able to utilize that opportunity. With 11-04 to play in the game. Purdy under center. Got to find a way. J.P. Mason, the only back. They motion Warner left tight with Ray Ray. It's a toss. Coming that way, J.P. Mason cuts inside. Diving for the end zone. Touchdown! San Francisco! Jordan Mason with that touchdown that puts them in front and for for the Niners, maybe there was a bit of a, okay, all right, able to take advantage of what Cleveland gave us, which was the takeaway uh, after all of those empty possessions to start the second half. But then the Browns, they clamp down, and they keep the ball for the next nearly eight minutes. Actually, I take that back. There were... Yeah, yeah, there were there was eight, nearly eight minutes on a 14-play drive, and it resulted in a field goal. And then there was another drive that was extended by a couple of, well, they were subjective flags thrown, uh, pass interference. One of them might have, I'm trying to think, one of them might have been roughing the passer. Uh, anyway, there were a couple of flags on the defense. I think one, definitely one was P.I. And they were, there were subjective calls where it's what the referee sees They can convene on the field and talk as a group of officials, but they're not going to be overturned. They're not subject to review. And so a drive where the Niners defense thought it had slammed the door, the Browns continue on and they're able to tack on another field goal and take the lead. So San Francisco's got the ball last, moves into field goal range in the final 90 seconds and actually didn't even take advantage of a third down. I think on second down, they kneeled down. Uh, not Neil Dunn, sorry, spiked the ball, uh, and didn't even bother to go ahead and use what would have been their last down. They just tried out their rookie kicker, Jake Moody, for the field goal. Snap it in the middle of the field. 
between the hashes. 41 yards for Jake Moody. Wisnowski kneels at the 31 to give the Niners the lead. Snap is down. The kick is up. The kick is no good. It's no good. And the Browns will beat the 49ers 19 to 17. He pushed it wide to the right. Coach Schwartz uh, and the defensive staff were outstanding all week, really. Uh, you know, I go back to our Wednesday practice. I told the team after practice, I said, if you measure a practice by how it sounds, we had the best practice of our season because <laughs> the energy was off the charts and, and it was led by the defense. It's led by Oboe and Z and Dalvin and Juan and, and you know, all those guys, JOK, you name them. They're, they brought the energy all week. They, they were so excited for this challenge. Um, and I thought Coach put those guys in position to go make plays. Find a way to win. You know, when the uh, you know, chips are down and the odds are against you, you know, you got to make the most of what you got. You know, we played you know, the best we could with the cards we were dealt and made the most out of it. You know, those guys, you know, credit to them on offense end, you know, came ready to play. We knew they would. And, you know, even though we had a couple of people go down on defense, you know, uh, you know the next man up was, was ready for the moment and, you know, consistently got stops because those guys knew exactly what they needed to do and, and uh, you know, always on their P's and Q's throughout the week and it showed today. We would have felt really good initially, like coming in, if, if we made that on the last play. But my message to them was regardless of whether we hit that or not, um, there's a lot of stuff from this game that we got to improve on. Uh, I thought we made way too many mistakes on offense, you know, just losing a couple guys in the game. We had to switch a couple guys around, and um, we weren't quite ready for that. Kyle Shanahan says even if we made the kick, there was still a lot to work on. But, man, what a great defensive performance by Kevin Stefanski, Miles Garrett, and the Browns D to get this win and move to 3-2. and two. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Play 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.